3: Sexual health. How can
2: relationships
1: relationships evolve evolve with people as they grow and change? Hi, my name is Effie Blue, and this is the Curious Fox podcast. Curious Fox is a community for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. Every month, we pick a theme anchored in these subjects. I invite a diverse set of panelists. And we bravely explore the theme through personal stories. This month, we tackle the multifaceted relationships with our metamors. A metamor is your lover's lover, your partner's girlfriend, your husband's boyfriend. It's the other in a non-monogamous relationship. As I explain in this episode, to me, the metamor relationship is the most interesting dynamic in non-monogamy. There are no models or rulebook when it comes to these relationships. In fact, society tells us to expect threat, competition, conflict, hurt, heartbreak, when two people love the same person. And this month, Lola, one of our panellists, certainly shares stories of a metamore relationship gone wrong. We are human after all. We also hear from Kitty, who lives with her two partners who are not in a relationship with one another. She shares with us the domestic bliss they've achieved after a lot of communication and a dedication to integrity, kindness, and generosity. This theme of good communication is echoed by Amber, who talks about winning over her reluctant metamor through consistent outreach and warm communication. These are complex relationships with little to no roadmap to guide us. Whether you choose to have a relationship with your partner's partner or not, there's a lot to be gained from seeing the individual they are, respecting and honoring their existence in your life, and remaining open-minded to all the possibilities. Curious folks' socials are not, and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we we'll look forward to your feedback. Enjoy the episode. So, I will start... By introducing my friend Amber here, who's a, a non-traditional relationship a wedding planner, I would love for her to tell you tell a bit about herself. Thank you, Effie. Hi, friends. My name is Amber
0: Damato. I consider myself polyamorous. I have a one non-binary partner that is married to someone else, and then I also date a couple. And so I feel that right now in that in those relationships I feel like I'm thriving I'm having a really good time I love them very much I feel very loved and cared for in those relationships and um yeah I feel like uh I appreciate Curious Fox because I've been I can't make it all the time but I am very grateful to Curious Fox and to Effie specifically for sort of teaching me a little bit how to navigate polyamory and ethical non-monogamy um Because before these relationships, I was with someone for many years on and off in sort of a poly-ish relationship (laughs) that was basically just like an open relationship, like minus the good communication. And I knew that I like always liked (laughs) the idea of an open relationship and I was okay with us like having like sex with other people, but I really wanted that communication too and so when that long time relationship ended I met Effie and you know we spent a lot of time together as, as friends but also just in her uh, professional work I really admire what she does and so uh, I feel like I've learned some really good tools and I feel like I'm grateful for them
1: <laughs> yeah thanks thank you thanks. <laughs> Um, and to my left I have Dirty Lola. Um who's a podcaster and um uh, dildo swinger is what you say. Dildo slinger. dildo slinger, yeah. Um Lola has an amazing podcast called Sex at a Go Go. It's a And a live show. And the live show, yeah, and the live show. Uh it's a variety a sex ed variety show with Q and A. So um check that one out, but I'll I'll get you to
3: yeah. to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Lola, Dirty Lola. I go by either. <laughs> miss dirty if you're nasty. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm a edutainer. That's mostly what I deal in as far as the education that I like to dole out. I work in a sex shop in Williamsburg called Shag. Um, and I do a whole bunch of other stuff. I have like eight jobs filming a web series right now. It's just like a lot of stuff. People are like, what do you do? I don't know. Um, a lot. A lot. Uh, so right now I'm in the midst of divorce because I don't know how else to describe it until you sign the paperwork. So it's, I finally moved out. I was like living, we were living together like Bert and Ernie. That was like the running joke. <laughs> cause we had two beds cause I'm not sleeping in the bed. You're fucking this new person in without me. Um, so yeah, that's great. But I'm, I'm living on my own again after 17 years we met. I know. I know. My whole goddamn life. Um, Yeah, we met when I was 18 and I'm 37 and I just like I'm like, oh, I don't think I've ever functioned as an adult without adult supervision. (laughs) I mean, because that's what happens. You become like codependent and you're like, hey, do this thing. And then I'm like, oh, hmm, this is great. But also I have a long distance partner who kind of came along at the tail end of my marriage ending, who is amazing and really helped me get through 2018 in a less tragic way of like not feeling loved. And I got to experience that oil and water part of polyamory where your life is falling apart and everything is awful, but your heart is bursting in full of love and it's happening simultaneously. And you're not sure if you're crying in the shower because you're so happy or you're so sad. So that was my life with 2018, but 2019 has been pretty fucking amazing both. Career wise and love wise and coming out of a space of trauma and into this space of trust and like, okay, you're not that person and this isn't that relationship. So yeah, it's it's good times. Yeah. It's good. Well, hopeful ending. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um before I move on, do you wanna give us a little back background how you got to be non monogamous? It just happened. No. <laughs> uh I was in year 10 of the 17 year relationship and super unhappy and uh, had an affair and realized during that affair that like I didn't want to leave and it wasn't like uh, I don't love you. It was like I'm kind of bored, but also like looking for something else. And it was with a a, a first boyfriend. <laughs> It's like my life it was a first the boyfriend who broke up with me in high school who i was the most in love with came back into my life to apologize like everything you ever wanted to get that letter from like that boy who like made you feel like shit and they're like i'm sorry and i want to see you and i saw you online and you look so good and you want to go have drinks that shit is poison (laughs) just say no because you will have an affair but that affair was (laughs) (sighs) It's what got me to kind of look inward and realize, like, I've been so unhappy because I was living a very poly kind of existence in my teens. And I had multiple partners and I shut that down because I didn't know it was a viable relationship structure. And I thought I was just being super slutty uh, and that like that perfect person will come around and take the sluttiness out of you and you get married and you're cured and monogamous (laughs) and happy because that's what they tell you. So. (laughs) So like through that and it took us. Like maybe two or three years to like fully open and like maybe the first red flag should have been when he met the person my my ex left me for his metamor to we'll talk about that but they to go be monogamous but the first red flag should have been he never wanted to be polyamorous until he started dating her uh and so and then it was like okay and i was like jackpot yeah. for me But also, well, I'm just going to go with it. Um, But we had, I mean, we had a fruitful time and I always say I'm not upset we're getting a divorce because it's not, we don't need to be together Um, if we want to be different, live different kind of relationship styles. I was upset about all the other crap we'll talk about tonight, but that's how I've, I've gotten here and I'm now I'm kind of redefining my poly and who I am as a, single person (laughs) because it's like am i single if i have a boyfriend that lives in another state Maybe I don't know how to call how to define that. We'll see, we'll awesome. see.
1: Thank you, thank you so much. That we're gonna dig into all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and last but not least, of course, I want to introduce Kitty, who is um, uh, another podcaster. Um, Loving without boundaries, I thoroughly recommend it. Uh, which was originally a blog, um, then became a podcast, and then Kitty started doing speaking and coaching, um, and then wrote the book um, Je- Jealousy Survival Guide, which you probably have heard me recognize, um, to recommend. Um, anybody asks me about jealousy. It's one of the resources that I, one of the top resources I recommend. And I'm so glad that she's here and um, drove all the way from Pennsylvania, right? uh, From
2: Washington, D.C. From, from D.C., yeah.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, Washington, D.C. area. Um, and uh, to be on the panel. So thank you for coming. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm super excited to be here. Really, really grateful. And I'm grateful, of course, for Evie, Effie for having me and meeting everybody here. So just really psyched. My name is Kitty Shambliss, and... You already know that I have my blog. I started Loving Without Boundaries about six or seven years ago now, and I had no idea what I was doing when I created that blog. It was kind of more like a live journal to figure out what the hell was going on with my feelings. And then eventually um, I started the podcast about three years ago, and I'll just kind of go back in time and just give you a little bit of my origin story. So um, I'm a recovering Catholic, so... So I apparently we have some other recovering catholics here. I went to 12 years of catholic school and so I, you know, all the agita that comes with growing up catholic and learning am I allowed to curse? Yeah. So, you know, all the fucked up things that I was taught in, um, in Catholicism and it took me a really long time. Um, I'm actually having my 50th birthday this year, which I can't believe it's taken. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, it's honestly taken me my whole life really to undo a lot of what I was taught in Catholic school. So, um, so, you know, I, was brought up with a lot of shame and guilt around sex and um, around what what. With- confession is and all of that i never really understood all of that so i didn't really start dating until college and i started doing like you know what good girls were supposed to do and i thought i was supposed to go find a man to marry and have the 2.5 kids and the picket fence but you know a funny thing happened on that journey which is i became a cheating serial monogamist and all my friends were getting married and doing the 2.5 kids and here i was um just Kind of doing this upgrade thing, I kept like having one person over here, and then I was, ooh, he looks better, and if i if there, it's gonna be the rest of my life with this person, you know I'm gonna you know go test that out before I leave you know bachelor number one over here, and it became this vicious cycle, and I started to feel bad about it, um, about all the cheating. And I also, um, went through a period of depression, um, and just a really difficult time in my life. So, um, eventually I met the man who is now my husband and he was also a former cheater. So we had some just really honest conversations around that. And we just decided at that time, I didn't know the word polyamory at the time. We just decided that we were going to define our relationship the way we wanted to, not based on what society. Or anybody else was telling us to do And eventually we did get married And we just left out the forsake all others And didn't have a traditional wedding (laughs) We got married by a lighthouse By a gay man who got in and ordained for me Um, So um, And then eventually we kind of Entered non-monogamy through the, the Swinging community which was a lot of fun And also helped me not feel emotionally claustrophobic, which I liked. But um, eventually a friend of mine introduced me to the book, The Ethical Sled. And pretty much my whole life changed after <laughs> after I read even the first three pages. And I just thought, you know, all these years, like first I was really joyful. I was like, oh my God, I'm polyamorous and I just had no idea. Um, but then there was another part of me that was really angry because I I thought, you know, why didn't anyone ever tell me that this was even a possibility, you know, and so that partly led me eventually to be doing the work that I do now because I'm very, very passionate about helping other people on their journey, no matter where they're at. If they're um, you know, 20 years into the process and an adult or if it's a teenager or somebody in college, um, I'm really passionate about helping other people get tools and you know, help them just get to not stay in the suck as long as I did because I really struggled with depression and a midlife crisis for about five years. And it was awful. And I don't recommend it. Um, so um, so that's partly what led me here to create the, the blog and the podcast and become a coach and eventually to write the jealousy survival guide, which is in no small part from learning how to deal with my metamors. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm I'm also interested in your relationship today. Oh, yes. Um, so I am still married to that same man we met later in life. So, um, so we've been married, we've been together for 15 years, married for 12. And I also have my other partner, my boyfriend, if you want to call him that, um, who we've been in a relationship for three and a half years and he lives with us also. He's lived with us for about two and a half years now. So it's just me and my two partners. They also have other partners and I'm sure we'll get to that later and our fur babies.
1: Um, And just for clarity, they're not in a relationship with each other.
2: They are not. They are both um, heterosexual. So I'm the pivot partner in our household. And then uh, you cohabit together. Yes.
1: Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Um, awesome stories. I can't wait to dig in. And I do, I have a few story, a few questions that I want to kind of start things off with. Oh, actually, before I should introduce myself, my name is Effie Blue. I'm a relationship coach. I predominantly work with people who are curious about transitioning into or have hit um, roadblocks in open relationships. I do that by day. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I am deeply committed to this community. And that's kind of what I do. And in terms of my own relationship, I cohabit with a partner. and Uh, and in the same apartment and downstairs my other partner and his wife live so we all live in a building together we are about to we're currently negotiating a fur baby (laughs) Um, so we'll see we'll see how that goes for me metamore's um or that metamore relationship is probably most interesting relationship it's the it's the one relationship combination or within all the relationships that could be in an open relationship the one that i didn't think about um when i started th- when i discovered polyamory i you know it was similar idea similar sort of stories here i was like oh like that's me and previously had a history of serial infidelity, cheated on my partners, there was a lot of heartbreak and tears. And at some point, I decided I wasn't very good at relationships. And I sort of put everything on hold. And at the time, poured myself into my career, which was great for my bank account, not so great for my soul. (laughs) And eventually, when I discovered non-monogamy, polyamory, uh, non-monogamy and within that polyamory is a a particular sort of style design, I realized that I wasn't Um, It wasn't that I wasn't good at relationships. I just wasn't good at a particular type of relationship and that I could design a relationship that I could be good at and I could thrive in. And that's kind of how I came to it. And when I did, I'm a nerd by nature for me. Everything starts with learning sort of. Put everything through an intellectual filter, and when I found out about about polyamory, I just like read everything, went to all the workshops, spoke to everybody, joined all the groups, like learn, 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 think about everything, all the permutations. Like if I date somebody, what if they, they date somebody else? What if I date everything else? And the one relationship that I didn't think about was the poly- the metamorph relationship, my partner's partner, right? That's what metamore is, your partner's partner. It just didn't occur to me that that was a relationship that existed and, and, and didn't even think about what it would look like. And the more I think about that, to this day, it remains, for me, it remains to be the most fascinating part of uh, polyamory. Because if you look at society, if you look at most cultures, they tell us that if you if two people love the one person, it is essentially chaos. There's thre- It's considered to be threatening. It's considered to be co- uh, full of conflict, heartbreak, heartache. There isn't really. There aren't really any positive stories of people more than one person. Uh, you, you know, more than pers- one person loving the one person. Any kind of any time that story is told, it's always you know um, somebody dies. You know um, <laughs> there isn't like there isn't ever like they you know holding hands in kumbaya. You know <laughs> and you know and, and especially for women, right? If you look at all the archetypes of women, if you think about it, it's 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 always set up to be um, uh, rivalry, right? So you have the the wife and the mistress archetype, and you have you even have like mother and daughter archetypes like there so many archetypes or or like mother-in-law and wife right these are like so many female archetypes where um if, if two women love one man it's just not gonna be good you know and as i found my way into polyamory i had a very very different experience uh and it was it was one of the most healing. My first metamor was one of the most healing people in my life. I went to a boarding school, an all-girls boarding school for six years. And I felt like um, I had enough of women and I was kind of I didn't have a great relationship with women. And I was a little afraid of them, to be honest. I was kind of a little afraid of my own kind. And I, when I walked into that relationship, um, I was very tentative. I was very like, oh, what's going to happen? I don't want to be threatening. I don't want to be intruding i was very very tentative Um, and she was incredibly open and welcoming and warm and kind and was kind of just sort of ready to catch me as i slowly leaned into that relationship and as i did and i relaxed into it she literally like scooped me up you know Um, emotionally and sometimes physically She was like she shared so much for me and set this bar of like what you can be like what that relationship can what the potential is in that relationship so I just lucked out with that with that that was like my entry that relationship the three of us is actually dissolved but she remains as one of my best friends and still somebody that I seek a lot of comfort from and um, somebody who's very special to me my current um, metamor the very different relationship it's I'm again lucked out it's a very positive relationship, but it is very different. She and I are very um, strong minded you know autonomous people that have our own sort of ideas about how we want life to be, and we actually cohabit in the same same house right. And it's not. um, It's not. It didn't come so easily as my previous one. And I still maintain that if we weren't dating the same person, we probably wouldn't be friends. But we are, and we choose to choose to live together. And we make, and we have made, and we still make every day a conscious effort to have a good relationship. We have. We don't always agree. And we have to navigate around each other um, all the time. And sometimes it's just about defaulting to respecting a fellow strong woman who I admire and who works really hard. So, you know, if I'm... The, the times that I don't necessarily feel as, as sort of warm and cuddly, um, I kind of default to that. I default to respect um, and, and admiration of who she is in the world and then sort of recalibrate to that and, and negotiate from that place. And of course, I don't want to speak. Um, I don't want to speak for her but i imagine that's the, that that I, I i see that respect um, reflected back at me um so i've just lucked out with my relationships uh, with my metamores but they're both very different ones and i'll tell you a little bit more um as we explore that's me so i want to kind of start with some questions so as i said i just hadn't thought about that metamore relationship i never thought that i would have a healthy ongoing relationship that i could nurture with my metamores
2: did, 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 did you and um and how did you imagine they would be i guess i also didn't really give it any thought but it was also partly because we went in through the swinger community And what we ended up doing was we went to Hedonism, a nudist resort, and we ended up meeting a couple in the hot tub that ironically lived near my hometown. And so that's kind of how we entered the swinger world. But what ended up happening was um, we did become intimate with them, but also they became really close friends and they're still really close friends today. And it's been like 14 years. Um, So we're actually not intimate with them anymore, but we're really good friends. So like, the metamor thing was never even you know something to worry about at that point and then with um my husband has two partners um one lives locally uh, near us and the other one lives not locally in another state and they're both married and have children and both of those people were my friends first before anything ever happened in terms of relationships um and also there's also been occasional intimacy there as well so it was another thing where it was like oh you're my people and you know, so there was always kind of that sense of, um, love and belonging and building that trust already. So it kind of took away a lot of that fear. So for me, the challenges with metamorphosis has really been with my, my other relationship. So the relationship that I'm in now, um, with my boyfriend, he has a wife who also lives in another, in another state and they have a son together and, um, she's very reluctantly in this situation. She also grew up Catholic and still believes a lot of that stuff. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, we all get to make our own choices, and uh, but she's not she's very reluctantly in a polycule and would never even use that word, you know? Um, so that's been a very long journey, but we, um, it's been getting better and better in that situation, but it's literally taken three and a half years, um, for us to, you know, hang out in the same room and talk to each other. But, um, but each day gets a little bit better. And then I have all kinds of, you know, crazy stories from the relationship I had before that. And you know, I don't, I don't want to hold the mic too long. We'll just see what happens with the uh, conversations.
1: Um, thank you. Yeah. Um, what about you, Lila? Did, did you imagine
3: that met relationship? And if you did, what did it look like? I didn't think about it. I mean, we were going. I also swinger started out <laughs> swinging. <laughs> Cause I was, I was luring him into non-monogamy. I really was. I was like, Ooh, you want to have a threesome? (laughs) I'm, I identify as queer at the time I identified as bi. So I was like, I'm down. I miss women. Let's do it. And then that turned into going to swing clubs, which we spent a lot more time eating (laughs) bacon and drinking vodka than we did having sex with other people, but it was still fun. Um, And then we uh, Twitter became this place where I started making all of these friends and meeting them in real life. And that is where I met the woman who became his girlfriend, my metamor. Um, And we were all friends first. And so we were all hanging out and doing things and not necessarily like having sex. And I was, and then as things started opening more, the people I was dating were single and didn't have partners. And so that wasn't a thing. And then as they started getting closer and started like, okay, we're dating. She at the time had a girlfriend and a husband and the husband was like dabbling and trying to date people. And we kind of, and they have two children and we kind of got thrust into this like family thing. And I like, I come from a very big family who have not been near in a very long time. So I'm just like people. (laughs) And, it was kind of this exciting thing but also like I had I don't even think I knew what a fucking metamore I didn't think about it I was just like oh these are people that I liked and like to spend time with and that was just kind of where where we were yeah and then it all went wrong Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) as it does sometimes ominous yeah Yeah. um thank you uh what about you
0: Amber did you did you think about that you taught me the word (laughs) metamore I never knew what it was before I met you, but um, I had the opposite experience of you uh, in my all girls school. I was um, always and my mom is super uh, feminist and I was raised to like honor the goddess and appreciate women and lift women up. And I've just always been in sort of a that sort of space. So even when people were like catty and weird about like boyfriends or whatever, like I was always like, Why are you doing that? Like fuck that guy. Like go help the girlfriend out or whatever. So I think it was something that that naturally I was I guess something that I wanted. And uh and now that I know what the word is, it's like, um I it didn't occur to me that it was a thing when I was into polyamory, but I I like
1: I like words. I like what it is. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> there are no kind of guides and models for, for that particular relationship other than these like horror stories. Um, are there any models that you sort of look at? Do you sort of think of like, oh, you know, I borrow from here and kind of it's a bit like that. Do you think of any models like, can you, that you rely on to
3: nurture that relationship? Like my current. So currently I don't borrow from my old relationship. <laughs> that was not. um no, I don't know if y'all know Kevin Patterson, but like he's like pretty big deal in polyamory. But I kind of I envy the way the flow the, and the way his metamores, if you ever if you follow him on Facebook, the best thing I ever find is like how much shade a number of his metamors will throw and like the pylon, And I'm like, that's love. That's like teamwork and love. But that's how, you know, stuff is going right. When everybody has the same in jokes and the way they can rib that person. And it's like, it's a magical thing to see those women throw shade. Um, and then like, and so good where I'm just like, Oh, popcorn emoji. Let me be here. But I love how they all aren't, some of them are closer than others. Some of them like will come visit. Like his wife was recently in New York visiting one of his metamores that live here. And like they do those kinds of things and they do things without him completely. But then there are people who are kind of like on the outskirts. And it's not that there's a problem. It's just like just that's the way it is. And I I just like the way there's this not an expectation of like you must be at this level. Like we got to be sister wives or I don't want to know you. There's like this nice flow and this in and out. And I try to like be that person who can be the, I'm flexible to what you want.
2: Yeah. I would say for me, when I was dealing with my own emotions, I tend to become a big nerd and I just start reading every single thing I can get my hands on. So I guess first I kind of go, I, I go outward in terms of looking for research and kind of go inward and in, in dealing with it. And that's partly why I wrote a blog was to kind of talk about my feelings. Um, and, but I think today um, it's how I go outward is I love going to polyamory conferences and doing events like this and just like the, the sea of people that go to those type of events. I, so there's not really one person I can say my off of I like kind of enjoying the energy of seeing people who are in a space where they're allowed to be exactly who they can be but I will say um, I think it was the year before last, I did see Cunning Minx speak at RelateCon, the first RelateCon in Boise, Idaho, and she gave a couple workshops that were really great, but I liked the way she framed it where she said that one of her first relationships with her metamor who was married to her partner, um, that that woman did not want to speak to her and it was very cantankerous and she, just, she basically decided that she was creating a boundary that that was not okay. And she was not willing to be in any relationship where that um, metamor was not okay having... Like, being civil and being in the same room with her. And I thought, that's cool. That's cool that she got to a place where she was like, no, this is my boundary. You know, so I kind of... I guess I would say, you know, in that sense, maybe she's a role model and it just made me think about, you know, what, what are my boundaries? And I think where I got to is, um, a little more flexible, but that I would prefer, I guess is the way I would describe it. I would prefer to enjoy my metamorph's company and definitely to be civil. Um, and generally, you know, kind of the same thing, like I'm kind of not okay with it. And luckily, Like I said, in the beginning with my current boyfriend, um, we were in that place where she did not want anything to do with me. She did not want to meet me and it took about a year and a half, but because it did get better and because I really loved him and I wanted the relationship to work out, we just kept navigating through all of that. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Any thoughts? There's a lot of nice
0: couples in our community that are really good role models for me, and uh, one that comes to mind is they've been together for 14 years, and as, as you say, sometimes they have their house in order, and so I like to talk to them about Hat, chips tips and checks
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i definitely finding people who have their house in order is a, a good people to hang out with um so most of us kind of have mostly positive um stories about our uh, relationship with metamorphs. but i also want to acknowledge that um it's not always um, poppy dogs and rainbows and i like to say so i want to kind of find out about what are the struggles if any you've had with your metamorphs.
0: uh My latest struggle with my metamor is that, um, basically the, the long story short is that it was all in my head. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a happy ending, but, uh, but initially I was having a really hard time just communicating and having time with my partner, not even with my metamor because, like she wasn't answering my texts or like responding to my invitations for things or like I got her like a gift and I was trying to like bring it over to her house and and she didn't write back to my texts. And so in my head, I like built up this whole story in my head that she hated me because I'm like fucking her partner and she thinks I'm scum. And you know, I just, I just like let myself go down this rabbit hole because I, I guess I sort of hold my metamors to like a high standard of communication because I, maybe I over communicate, but in my mind, I'm like, there's no such thing. Um, <laughs> but I, I, and I, and I also felt like, you know, I was like, What well, you know, why isn't she getting back to me? And it, and, and it, and it really started affecting not only, not only me, but it really started affecting my time with my partner. And, and then at some point, like we were all, gonna go on an adventure together and 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 I was like okay before we go like I need to like I need to like get her in a corner and like talk to her and be like is everything okay (laughs) what can I do better (laughs) um and you know and like I said it was a happy ending she's she's sort of when we finally did have that conversation she said oh you know I'm, I'm really sorry I just I've been really busy with my own things I have like a lot of stuff going on in my life and uh, it's not personal. I just, I just needed some space and time for myself. And I, I really, I really like you. I I really value you in our lives. I'm, you know, I'm happy that we're going on this adventure together and, and just my whole body and my whole soul was just like,
1: oh.
2: <laughs>
0: you know, um, but that, but it went on for a few weeks and it was, I mean, maybe a few months actually. And it, and it was just very challenging. It was very challenging for me. And, and I noticed it creeping into like a lot
1: more than i thought it would like everyday thoughts yeah fair enough yeah i actually wanted to tag on a um a question at the at the end which you answered which is then you know given the struggles what sort of conscious and uh, conscious um steps are you taking to solve those problems that you address them and and then i think often the answer is communication right um and then and that's kind of the, the path that you went down on
0: Right, but what do you do if someone doesn't communicate back mm-hmm. with you or doesn't answer your texts or your right. emails or your phone calls or, like, sure. your little notes to reach out? Like, yeah. what what do you do? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good question. And um, I know that we've talked about it before as well. And I think... Um, just to consider that everybody um, has different expectations from this relationship. As I said, there's no models, there's no guidelines, there's no, um, like, a name, like, you can't point to that, that's how it should be. And I definitely have worked with people who come, you know, cover the the range of, I want to be in a don't ask, don't tell, like, I don't even want to know this person exists. And um, the way they manage it is they, um, you know, they will have a, a slot in the calendar that essentially blocks off the time and the one partner is not going to be at home and and the other partner just doesn't want to know what happens during that time. Uh, and there's sort of that one end of the spectrum where people just don't want to make room, don't even want to know that their metamors exist to all the way to kind of where we are, which is like, you know, living together and loving and sharing and all that kind of stuff and anywhere in between. And I think it's just at some point, um, you kind of have to realize, kind of figure out where your metamor is. I think that's really important in this rela- in these relationships, kind of where your metamor is and to sort of stick with what, you know, where where you end, where they start. And I think um, that definitely has been a learning um, experience for me. Okay, what, about, what about you, Katie? Do you, um... Do you want me
2: to share some of the ugly? Uh, sure. So um, the boyfriend I had before my current boyfriend, he was really like my first polyamorous relationship out, like full on poly relationship outside of my marriage. And we were together for about five years and he was an actor and he was passionate and sexy um, and poor and (laughs) and and kind of he would end up and also younger than me. um, So he would end up choosing as his partners kind of these similar like kind of young like a little bit like dramatic you know actresses maybe poor maybe not and he was also very interested in group sex so so there, we would have these weird experiences where he'd be kind of like pressuring me to you know jump in the sack with whoever he was seeing and um, so the, that's partly when I had to really learn how to deal with some of my jealousy or just my various emotions and, um, and then he also was so broke that he ended up moving in with us more out of financial need, and um, it. And we were like I said, for, together for five years. So towards the last period, um, it we ended really badly where. Uh, <laughs> I sang and um, I was a lead singer in rock bands for about 18 years. And for me, gig days were very intense. You know, I'd practice my music all day long. I'd get the jitters and the shits and everything. And so I'm, I'm putting on my makeup and I'm getting ready for this gig. And the doorbell rings. It's dark out. I'm like, who the heck's coming to the house now? And I answer the door and it's a sheriff. And I'm like, hello, um, how are you? And he asked for my boyfriend's name. Was he home? And I said, no, he's not home. He said, well, does he live here? And he said, uh, I said, yes, he does. And he said, well, I have a restraining order for him. Um, And I said, by who? And he gave a woman's name I'd never heard of before. (laughs) So apparently he was cheating on me, um, with a woman that he pissed off so much that he got a restraining order against him. So that, that's a pretty bad metamorph story for you. And, um, and I forgave him that one time about fast forward about four months later, we're having, um, a Sunday, you know, it, it looks all pretty like, you know, me and my boyfriend and my husband were having brunch and it's all nice. And I get a text and it was a text from a woman I did not know was my, metamore and she said by the way i'm sleeping with your boyfriend and i'm i'm pissed off at him because he won't tell you about it <laughs> so I was like "All right, you know one time shame on me second time you're out and so that was this big dramatic awful awful breakup as you can imagine Um, so I think it is fair to especially people you know even because even though I wrote a book or I speak on panels it doesn't mean that things are all puppy dogs and rainbows all the time and you know how do you think you learn all the lessons sometimes it's by stepping in a pile of shit (laughs) I'm gonna avoid that shit next time not that you can always avoid it Um, and and also with my husband, um, sometimes part of the reason I wrote the book on on, on jealousy as I did was when I was in that structure where I was with that particular original boyfriend and he was with his girlfriend, um, they were very affectionate and cuddly and cute and adorable. And my boyfriend at the time was not. So I was dealing with a lot of, um, jealous feelings around scarcity, around the affection and the touching and, um, all the, I love you's. And, you know, so that, that fed into me, um, writing the book. Um, so those are some of the, the background stories, and I can I can go on and on. So I don't know how much you want me to... Sure. Um, I'm also interested
1: if you would mind to- talking a bit about your um, boyfriend's wife, because right? that's a relationship that's evolving, and I'm really interested in how it's evolving. It wasn't great, but you said it's getting
2: better. Right. right. So with that, at the beginning, um, they, they had a very... Um, different history where they went through a rocky part of their marriage where they didn't know if they were going to stay together. And, um, that's when my, my boyfriend kind of decided that he was polyamorous. And so they almost broke up, but they decided for whatever reason, whether it was because they had a son together, a young, a young boy or not, um, they decided to try and work that out. But he was dating other people, but at that time I'm sure she was healing from, um, there was some infidelity that happened. And, um, and so I'm sure she was probably angry about that. So she didn't want anything to do with anyone that he was seeing. And so I was maybe girlfriend number three or four on that journey. And so of course she wanted nothing to do with me. So, um, and I was in this space where I'm like writing a book and I'm on panels and speaking you know, so it was very difficult for me when I was like, what do you mean she doesn't want to meet me? You know, <laughs> I'm awesome. Um, but also, like, it just went, it went against, like, I've worked really hard to come from, you know, values of integrity and transparency and honesty. So it was really hard uh, for me. Like, I wasn't interested in a don't ask, don't tell sort of situation. So it's been a really long journey. And um, and I, I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I tried to think about, you know, how did we slowly get to a place where uh, we are now, which isn't perfect, because for me, now where we are is um, she's a teacher. So, um, she, and they, they see each other every couple months. Um, we live in the DC area, Washington DC, and she lives in Florida with their son. So she's kind of like a single mother, um, down there and she's not of course seeing anyone else cause she's really monogamous at, at heart. So, um, so we're at the point where because she's a teacher, she will come stay with us for three weeks in the summertime. And I was telling Effie earlier, like anybody coming to stay with you for three weeks is challenging. But then when it's your reluctant metamor and I, I've struggled from infertility. So also having an eight year old around the house as it's so, like, it, there's joy about it, but it's also, you know, kind of tugs at my heartstrings. So there's lots of difficulty around that. Um, but I'm still happy about where we are, but it's taken us three and a half years. So for me, some of the things that helped on that journey was really first working on my own feelings first, which, again, is partly what prompted me to write the book, was doing all that research and just figuring out, you know, how do I deal with my own feelings of whether it's insecurity or jealousy or fear of abandonment, you know, who knows where that comes from, Um but, and also just really practicing radical self-care, you know, a lot of compassion and self-care. And so for me, it really starts inside of myself first. And then also when I'm ready, you know, once I figure out what I need maybe from somebody else, like asking them, um, knowing that they have the ability to say yes or no, nonviolent communication, right? We don't make demands. We make requests. So, um, you know, working up the courage and the vulnerability to say, Hey, you know, I I'm feeling really shitty today or lonely or sad, you know, do you think maybe you can give me some reassurance or some appreciation or can you just even appreciate like when your family comes to visit for three weeks, it's really fucking hard. Um, and just, you know, having that candid conversation. Um, and sometimes that's not easy because sometimes he may not be in a space where he's ready to give me those things. So I have to be in a space to hear no, and then go back to the self care. Right. (laughs) Um, and I would say also just, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I joke around with my boyfriend that he's in my life to teach me patience. So just really constantly working on patience and uh, not just with him or in that relationship, but just patience in general, um, because we do live in an immediate gratification sort of society and just knowing like it can take years to build relationships. And also it's not just about me and my needs. You know, I want to respect her and I want, if I really want to get to know her, I also have to respect her boundaries and honor where she's at. And so there's also patience for her and, you know, like, you know, to not try and change her or where she's at and not try and change my boyfriend and where he's at and, and to respect that they're trying to raise a son together, you know, so to give them space and to really honor that. And, um, and as far as my re- direct relationship with, with that metamor, um I just tried to be like double down on the kindness, you know, just um, it started out like I gave her a gift through my boyfriend. I'm like, here, give her this little gift. It's from me, you know, and that kind of just opened the door and I just tried to like very, very gently let her know, like, I'm not scary, you know, I'm a nice person, and just keep reinforcing that over and over again, and then... By doing that, like tell your wife I said hello, you know, send her this cute little bit emoji, you know, very little steps, just building brick by brick by brick, and that took a, it took us an, a year and a half before she finally was willing to stop by our house just to meet my husband and I for about fifteen minutes, and it, that was that was funny because um, I found out like I got a text from my boyfriend, he's like, oh, we're going to stop by the house and pick up some clothes before we go to our hotel, and I was like, oh my god, you know, and I texted my husband, I was like, you're going to turn around and come back from. Home depot because we gotta clean the house and you know, it was it was hilarious like if anyone was watching me it was hilarious and then as soon as they pulled up i'm like hi you know <laughs> it is so nice to meet you um but you know so just little baby steps and now they stay for three weeks at a time so it's just you know and you know now i give them christmas presents and birthday cards. you know so just kind of reinforcing it constantly you're good
1: you're good (laughs) um yeah it's amazing and and i i I think so much of that resonates with me too i think um definitely when in doubt just defaulting to respect is definitely where i found negotiate that space Uh, and also respecting the boundaries um same with me i think the my current um relationship is all about respecting mutual boundaries and because we actually have to also share physical space so there is this like very gentle, um, friendly dance that we kind of do with one another, knowing that we both um, need space and we give each other space and we take space when we need to as well because we both can be intense together. So, yeah, definitely. It's just like constant um, pleasant work. It's work, but it's like consciousness around that relationship as well. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, uh, <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell us. So, um, when we... When we started really getting into the like, okay, we're, we're with them. I always looked at myself as we are even though I wasn't necessarily I wasn't dating her and I dabbled like we talked about earlier like kind of her husband and I had crushes but she kind of made that a hard thing to pursue and she at the time when we met had a girlfriend who was also married so there were six of us so we had the first year and change we had a lot of like insta orgies because you got six people (laughs) you don't need to go anywhere. So they would like come for the weekend and we would like set up the living room and like all do different things, like have sex and different configurations and do whatever. Cause you got six people. Um, and it, I know it's like, uh, and it was a lot of fun and, but it was also this time of like trying to learn how to communicate with this person. And so while we would have these friendly text and conversations, there were these also these moments where like she her, her girlfriend at the time and I were really bonding because we were the two black women in a relationship with a whole bunch of white people. Um, and we would sit and talk about some of the stuff that was happening because there was a lot of boundary pushing and boundary breaking done by my ex and the girlfriend. And so there was a lot of a lot of like not talking like not saying like, hey, we're going to hook up or we're going to go do this thing. And just like, oh, you're fucking. Oh, oh, okay. Like I'll go out and not know. Like, and we had all kind of set like rules and or boundaries, and she had set a lot, but then would break the things she wanted to break for her own gain, and it was becoming a thing. So the her girlfriend at the time and I would just like vent, and we would vent over text, and then she decided we're practicing radical honesty, which meant I get to go through your phone. That's how she she like framed it for us. So she would just take her girlfriend's phone and then read all the things that I was like, kind of venting, like, Hey, I'm really upset about this thing. And then it would get thrown in my face in the middle of dinner or things like that. So all of these things were like, because I was new and they felt like red flags, but being with people who were in polyamory and having me being told, no, it's you're just jealous. So I got told I was jealous a lot and I did a lot of work. I read like the ethical sluts chapter that, that, literal chapters falling out of the book from how many times I've gone through it and highlighted. And every conference I went to or anything that had anything about jealousy, I was there because I was being told I was the bad guy. This was my problem. But at the same time, I was also dealing with somebody who was supremely dramatic and very... I don't know, jealous and greedy. And I say those things in a way of like, literally her husband was inside of me. We were all at orgy and I, and she had, and I'm very like, I kind of have a hard time like being focusing and I get like out of my head and start paying attention to people in the room. And like, I guess my ex and they were having some issues because he had performance anxiety. And I just remember her pushing him off of her and grabbing her, her husband. And I'm like, Kegels, like, I mean, no, like he's we're fucking. And, and then the next morning she said, we all rejected her and we were all awful. And this is what we're trying to make pancakes. There's kids who are waking up. And she's crying and that uh, everybody rejected her. And I'm like, y'all were literally there were six people. You had sex with two people. I watched you do it. And then you interrupted my sex <laughs> and you're mad and you're crying. And I'm like, you're, la- you're, you're lucky I haven't punched you in your face yet <laughs> because I'm an eight. I don't know if you do the Enneagram. I'm a Leo. I'm an eight and I'm a black woman. All those things together <laughs> can be napalm. And so looking back, but I kept being told I'm the bad guy, you're jealous, you're this, you're that. And it was like, okay. And I dealt with that for a really, really long time. And we had a lot of good spots where we would get into this really great groove and I would communicate with her and we were doing okay. And, and, but when it came to my ex, she would just shut down. And it would get to the space where she'd say, "Go, I don't want to hear things from you." And I'm like, "Well, here's the thing: he's shitty at communicating, and you know this, and I know this, and he literally will not tell you things until like right before." So I'm trying to stop there from being problems between us because this keeps happening. And she dramatic, no, and, uh, and you're being awful, and you're trying to break us up. And I'm like, "No, I'm just trying to." have a relationship with you that isn't combative and so there was a lot of that and and really end of the day it was a lot of me doing work that was maybe I won't say unnecessary but a lot of me feeling like the villain um towards the end they were gaslighting me beyond gaslighting I they were like you have an anger problem like she um not a therapist but she worked in like with Folks was mental only. She worked in homes and, and things. So she had a lot of language I didn't have and like would constantly diagnose me and tell me I had like associative identity disorder and I was bipolar and she would like send me things to read and say, this is you. And so much so that when the relationship ended, I was I was literally trembling all the time I didn't I had to like ask friends about reality and like am I being is it weird that I don't want to come home and sleep in the bed that he's going to fuck her in while I'm away on a business trip and he's telling me he'll just change the sheets and I'm like I, we're getting. you're told me you want a divorce I still have to sleep in a bed with you could you just please not have her in the apartment while I still have to live with you and they didn't care and then I just came home to a new bed like that was how deep it went. And I went finally went to a therapist and I was like in tears like I have I, I something's wrong with me and I fuck everything up and I think I have an anger problem. And he just goes, can I ask you a question? He's like, are all your partners white. And I was like, they were. <laughs> and he was like, it's not you. It's white people don't know how to deal with how we people of color tend to express things. We get loud and we actually talk about it and we're not passive aggressive. And we're, I mean, it's true. And I'm, I'm not labeling all of y'all, but like, it's a thing. We grow up differently. We're very blunt. And this is the household I grew up in. Like you got a problem with me. I'm going to tell you about the problem. It's probably going to be loud. We're going to take care of it. I'm not going to do things like not text you for, you know, 10 days and then tell you, you have a a mental illness. So that was a lot of my, (laughs) That was a lot of my stuff and coming out of all of this and going to therapy and having, I always like, I hate saying like people save you, but I don't know how I would have functioned not having my partner and his wife in my life because I was coming out of this space of just feeling like not just a failure. I'm a horrible human being. I brought this on myself and like, like, oh, maybe this isn't true. And maybe I'm not this bad person. And so having a partner who's like, I love you. And I don't, I don't see those things he sees in you. And I also understand, he's like, I get you get fiery. And my metamor is uh, part Mexican. So he's like, I live with this. (laughs) And uh, he's like, no, you're passionate. And it's okay for you to be passionate. And he's like, when you have somebody who talks to you, like he's a therapist, he doesn't therapize me, but he also was really good at communication and also good at like, I see you, you don't trust anybody. You're really like shaky. I'm not mad at you about those things. And having somebody like see me so clearly, but also be okay with the really shitty parts of me that were just right at the surface, made it so much easier for me to communicate like, Hey, I'm scared or this is where I am. And then when it came to my new metamorph just how much damage had been done with having somebody who did the kind of things she did in, in the relationship. And like people go, Oh, she, she ended your marriage. I'm like, no, no, no. It takes more than that. Like he let that happen and he also fed into it. And then, so it's a whirlwind. And the, I did do some things in our relationship, but at the end of the day, you know, it's not just her, but I will say she did like, she did a lot of dismantling of me. And not necessarily with a relationship, because at the, they were trying to push me to ask for the divorce that 's what i 've found out now that they were trying to fuck me up so much that I asked for the divorce. I know it 's so nice when you start talking to your ex in a clear way, but with my my meta my current metamorph, having somebody who from the beginning of a relationship, reached out to talk about us we we rarely would talk about her husband we would she like we were getting to know each other. She loves books and like this is the stuff. And we talk. And she's she loves, she Disney bounds. I don't know if y'all know what that is, where you like wear the colors of a character, but you don't necessarily dress like the character. So every morning I get a bound, and she's just really about us building our relationship. And that's how that started. We were building a relationship while I was falling in love with him. And it had my relationship with her had nothing to do with whether or not I was with him. It was about the two of us creating a friendship. And then as things moved on, when things started getting hard for her, because they were newly opened up, like I was his, not his first partner, but it was like, when I met him, they were closed. And then like the following year or so they were like, Oh, he's like, we're open. Would you like to hook up? (laughs) (laughs) But they had been in relationships and she was still in a very unsteady place. And having come from that, It was really easy for me to be like, I see you and like, I'm here for you, but she never put that on me. Like it was always, this is where I am. This is not you. And she would express like her fears and things, but it was never in a, like, I don't want you to be with him type of way, or I don't want you to be with her. It was like, this is where I am.
1: Yeah, sounds like
3: healing. It's a lot. Of sounds healing healing like
1: healing from a lot, a lot of trauma. trauma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, thank you. I, I I like that it at least has a, a happy ending yeah, of like, yeah. um, in healing and and um, a positive, a new positive relationship. Yeah, um, so <clears throat> I wanna um, I can have to ask a million questions, but this is about he, uh, you guys, about the foxes, and this is why we ask you to bring your curiosity. Um, any questions?
3: Hi, I had a question, and I think you both mentioned this, but how did you navigate, manage the feelings of having a friend then become a metamorph rather than like your partner finding the person, but it's like your friend first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like that's where I would struggle more with like the jealousy of like the friendship and like, you know, my friend in a way that I don't know my friend.
1: Yeah, so is it was a lot of a sort of relationship transition. You have to kind of manage the transition as well
2: um my uh so my husband has been in that relationship i i want to say like 8 years now and and so for me it's a little bit about loss um actually because She and I had become really close, uh, even though she she's a little bit of an introvert. We ended up um, becoming like email friends, even though she only lives 20 minutes away. And and because she's an introvert, she would like, you know, share her feelings over email. We were you know just becoming these really great friends. And what ended up happening, um, we call it PlayDar. If you start to wonder if uh, she was married at the time and uh, we had PlayDar like, are they in an open relationship? I don't know. And eventually we found out that they were. So um, so, but then what Ended up happening was she ended up getting A divorce and while she Was and I won't go into why but It was a very awful you know Traumatic divorce for her, and we had just bought our house, so she ended up coming and staying with us for a few weeks, so that she didn't have to be in the house with her her husband at the time. And that's when um, she started to get close with my husband, and of course, then we all you know knew that we were all in an open style relationship, and that's that was the beginning of their relationship. But what ended up happening is our friendship is has completely changed. So I kind of like lost that friendship, and there were days or times in my life where I was kind of sad about that. Um, and I guess also in, in my whole journey of consensual non-monogamy, I've just kind of started to accept that I lose friends. But I mostly lose friends from the monogamous world. But I, I did lose her in in the consensual non-monogamous world because I lost her to my husband in a way. But I guess I've just kind of gotten used to it. I know that probably sounds depressing (laughs) but it's just true you know it's just true so um and and there was only like moments of jealousy um and now i've just come to a place of acceptance about it you know i love her i still love her i just love her in a different way and we're just not close friends um but we're good friends and i know that i can call on her for absolutely anything Uh, her daughter is our goddaughter um her husband is awesome he's a really great friend of ours um he just happens to be monogamous but um he's like i'm dutch i think this is all great do whatever you want you know <laughs> um and so our relationship has just changed i guess so but i did lose the closeness but i still think our relationship is awesome so i guess maybe that's why i'm not really sad about it does that answer your question okay
1: um, i'm actually gonna, can i ask you a question um what would what would you if you could? What is the distinction of where the relationship has changed? Like it, it, it so what was what are the sort of distinctions between now we're close friends and now we're metamors and it's a different relationship and we're not friends anymore.
2: Well, I guess now we're kind of like we consider each other family, mm-hmm. um, but in terms of like our day to day friendship, it's kind of more of like I, I don't, the word superficial doesn't feel right, but we're just not close. We're not close emotionally, but I know if you know I was in jail she would bail me out mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> whereas I guess before we were really emotionally close like mm-hmm. we were starting to become best friends even mm-hmm. and um yeah so that's what I lost cool and then do
1: you um d- is there a change also do you what about the topics that you discuss because I know that one of the questions that we discussed earlier is like once you become metamorphs, what are the boundaries of what you're discussing so was that that before like maybe you talk about how you like certain things about your oh, your yeah. and then you, now you don't mm-hmm. because there's that relationship happening
2: Yeah, I guess when, when we were in that like really close relationship, she would talk more about her feelings. And then we, we started to get to the point where she would talk about her feelings about my husband and then something snapped. I, maybe it was when she fell in love with him or I don't know, but then she just kind of stopped talking. So she just doesn't talk to me about her feelings anymore. Definitely not about my husband, but it's funny because I don't actually even feel jealous about it, but she doesn't talk about it, you know, but we'll talk about lots of other things. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I'm
1: Doug. And uh, my question is, so some of you in your example, for example, you're married and then you have other relationships. And I think a couple of you have that certain scenario. I was under the impression that in polyamorous relationships, one person can't be primary, but maybe I'm wrong, Uh, you know, and particularly if there's a monopoly connection, obviously that adds its own complexity but what is your experience and is there a place and if so under what conditions for one relationship to be the primary relationship in a polyamorous situation without it being judgmental or you know unfair i guess
3: yeah, you can do what you want to do. Uh, you can be a, have a primary, you can do hierarchy, you can do non-hierarchy. I think hierarchy gets a bad rap sometimes, and then there's like couple privilege and all those things. Um, what I... I have to look
1: some of these up, but okay, yeah. keep going.
3: Okay. <laughs> we can talk after. Um, what, what, with ours, it became less about, it was like more of a not a hierarchy, but priority. We lived together. We were splitting bills. Like, I'm sorry. Like we make this, if we share a bank account, that other person doesn't get to decide where my money goes. That's a different thing. Whereas if we didn't have the same, account, I don't care what you do, but you know, you're not going to go to Hawaii for two weeks. On my diet, you know, and I don't get to go fuck that. So it's, it's for, for us, it became not about like hierarchy, but like we live together. These are things. So yes, we need to talk about when the other is going away because it's like, who's going to be with the cat? Who's going to wash the laundry? Who's doing these things? Who's taking care of the home? Whereas if we all lived together, that would have been a different story. Cause this uh, part that I think I missed out, they they lived in Maryland. So they are four hours away. And and so there was a lot of like traveling. But I guess it's different for everybody. Like now I think the relationship that I'm a part of as as like the girlfriend, uh I don't know if they what they call it, but I, you know, I respect respect it. They share a house. They have a kid. They don't share money. So it makes it easier for him to, like, decide to buy me presents or do things because it's not coming out of her bank account. Um, But they do negotiate time. So, like, we all Sit down and talk about like what conferences are we going to this year? Because that's how I get to see him without it costing all of us so much money. Or what are we doing this week? We get each other's schedules. Um, We talked about like summer plans and like, okay, so. When are you free? When is she get vacation? When is your daughter going to go to the grandparents so we have like okay, what are we doing? But at the end of the day, I don't live there. I'm in New York. They're in California. Who am I to say like I need to come first when I'm not even in your state, let alone your your you know, your home. So I I respect that discussions need to be had between them before, before, but I'm privy. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to talk about it. We all talk about it. I kind of go like, oh, this is what I have going on. And so like, yep, you'll we'll talk about it and we'll figure it out. So yeah. I think um, also just to add to that, I mean, I,
1: I, I think polyamory is like, like Lola said, as you make it right. And in um, my coaching, I, I, I coach around this idea of relationship by design. So um I almost, Um, the work that I do is get the relationship, design the relationship and then put a label on it for shorthand Um, rather than sort of deciding what polyamory is and try to fit into that, right? Because then it's kind of duplicating what you do with monogamy because monogamy is essentially a a one-size-fits-all structure that most of us are trying to fit into. And if that fits you, great like that is your model go for it um if it doesn't fit you and then what right and then i think that's that the rest of it is like well and then what and then you actually get to kind of design it yourself <laughs> um and as you um i think as you design it i think instead of thinking like what is this language and find a definition for it and kind of fit yourself into that um the process is almost the other way around like design the relationship um figure out what it looks like for you in a way that everyone's thriving and then like find the nearest label um for shorthand but also like i always say like labels will get you onto the same page with somebody you need to have a conversation to get on the same paragraph so and if somebody says to you i'm poly um a good question to ask is what does that look like and get them to tell you like what does that look like for them because i'm sure in even around this room if we asked Ten people who who identifies polyamorous, they'll give you ten different designs. So yeah, um, cool. Another question.
0: You. Hi, I'm M. I was wondering. So
2: a lot of this has been about metamore to metamore relationships. Um, as I know, a couple of you, couple of you are in this um, circumstance as well. As the pivot, or even as the metamores, where do you think the pivot's role is in? Um, helping keep a V function when it's not a triad, but when it is a V or the pivot, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely the the pivot in our household for sure, even though they also have other partners. So in their own way, they're, they're the pivot, but I guess for me, um, and I think this is also probably very individual. Um, for me, I do kind of consider at this point, both of my partners, both a primary and I, I, do kind of prescribe a little bit to the hierarchical thinking at least because some of it's just on paper too, right? I've got a a marriage certificate with my husband and we, we own the house together. Um, And I don't have that with my boyfriend, um, but we are all living in the same house together. So in terms of how we handle it, I, I, I tend to come from it from a place of, I want to be able to have enough energy to give to both of them as much as possible. And I'm a wart, so I also am constantly, like, I'm trying not to worry. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? Am I giving you enough attention? You know, and I'm getting better about that. And also they're they're both very secure people, and I just, in the beginning, when we were first kind of navigating all this, I just kept asking them, like, if you need something, you'll let me know, right? And they're like, yes! You know, and they would keep giving me reassurance. So at this point, I kind of, you know, believe them. I'm like, alright, if you need me, you'll let me know. And in terms of how we run the household, we were joking that this question always comes up. So just so happens the way our house is, I share um, the master bedroom with my husband. And then my boyfriend has like the whole bottom of the house that has, it's almost like its own little apartment. And I literally just, sometimes I sleep upstairs and sometimes I sleep downstairs and it's just kind of is based on who has to get up in the morning, who needs a ride to work, that kind of a thing. And so, um, and so it, it kind of just flows very nicely at this point. But I mean, there, in the beginning when we were trying to figure it out there is a lot of emotional labor i felt i was doing trying to make sure that they were both okay and um you know the relationship with my husband always tends to feel a little bit more secure because we've been together so long and so it was always making sure that my boyfriend felt secure and also because it's not his house how do we make him feel welcome and we're, we're kind of constantly working on all that um, and then I also just see, like, for example, my, um, uh, my boyfriend being the pivot partner between me and his wife, I actually really feel for him when they are coming for those three weeks. I'm like, wow, how is he handling all this right now? You know, cause that's going to be really challenging. I can also take, you know, cause I'm a pivot in, in, in one of my relationship where
1: we, where we live together. For me, it's always been my design our design i should say is kitchen table poly which means that ideally we sit around the table um and break bread and sort of share good vibes um so what i try to do for my um partner and my partners um is to 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 provide that kitchen table so every now and then we'll do a family brunch um or something there where we all get together and, and hang out and i feel like that nurtures that relationship and that's usually my contribution to that
3: relationship so uh, observing a pivot, because I'm not the pivot, my partner is, is something we've learned is that I stay out of their business. Like not, I know what's going on, but I don't try to address things that are happening between them with her. That's not my business. I sometimes like he will ask my opinion on things and I will talk to him. And it's always, he's like, oh, like, what do you think? Should I? And I'm like, uh, oh, you know. Maybe, but don't do it that way because she'll slap you in your face. Um, where I've become a little bit of an advocate of, like, knowing her. Like, I feel really good about it as much as I know her. But when it comes to things where it's about her emotions or something with us, then I will, we talk, she and I talk and, and like we dabble in that way, but he's really good at saying like, Oh, she's feeling uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, I'll bring it up. Like we'll talk. And so that's where he, he's done a really great job as a pivot is like, not trying to talk to us about, what like I don't hear like I know relationship stuff but he doesn't like bring that to me and he doesn't take that to her but he's kind of there of like hey somebody's feeling a little whatever and like okay we can all talk let's all get on the phone or Marco Polo or whatever the hell we're using at the time I love Marco Polo but yeah
1: can I ask a follow-up question as it relates to that and
0: kind of pivoting so as the pivot it sounds like you're saying that that he maintains responsibility to not overshare with you so that it doesn't impact your relationship with the metamorph,
3: Right. Because if she's having a spin out moment and feeling really like, like again, you're having a spin out more we all get there. We're like, you're like, this is me. There were a time I was, when you said that, I was like, Oh, I've been there with, really? with her. I was like, she doesn't like me. And she thinks I'm trying to like ruin their marriage. And it wasn't, it was just, he was being really shitty about, he wasn't being, he was just like telling me things and telling her things, but he has ADHD and he wasn't completing sentences. And we were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and when we all three spoke to each other, it was like, oh, this is your fault. We, we've we been on the same page. This is your fault. So when she, when we have those spin outs, I appreciate that. Like, I'm able to be like, <sighs> about her like oh i feel like kind of angry about something she's doing and just venting a little bit and then he's like oh it's not like that but he doesn't go run and tell her that he'll say like you know what i'm saying i think we all need to like get on the phone because again i don't i don't get to see her often um i like at all we like talk to each other on Mm -hmm. facetime and things like that and i I actually spent new year's with them new year's eve like a week so that was a good where we're like we like each other yeah (laughs)
1: I win this relationship. (laughs) Um, Any other questions? Great. Um, So before I wrap up, um, I want to sort of go down and ask, um, sort of want something for everyone to add. And then I want to wrap up. Um, What would be the one piece of advice that you'd give to people in a way um, that will help their relationship with their um, metamores? What is the one thing that you've figured out within your relationship through experience that you want to share with everyone and be like, this is going to be my pro tip.
3: So as a metamor, I always try to practice like, Oh, I hate the phrase happy wife, happy life, but like (laughs) I want, I'm there to make their life better. If I am detracting in any way, that's going to be a problem for me. Um, So I want to be there to enrich. And that's always my goal is like, I don't want anybody to ever feel like I'm, taking away i want to be adding to and if it's ever in a space where i feel like i'm taking away like i want to deal with that and maybe that's not a relationship because i don't want somebody overly focusing and then fucking things up like i'm a big person will be like oh like "Mm, did you talk to her about that first because i don't i don't want to be that like i've had that in my life and it's a very destructive force and i don't want to ever be that so yeah it's just like try to keep my side of the street clean and and be good to everybody not just the person you're fucking
1: Good advice. Good advice. Ah, yeah
3: I take the I
2: would say I think it
3: overlaps with what you said, but I would say,
2: um empathy you know um should really come from a place uh certainly of self empathy you know if you're having a, a rough day but but trying to you know really get in the other person's shoes and have empathy for wherever they are on the journey and also to help them feel safe, and so feel helping them feel safe might also be um not just blurting, not being blurtatious, uh, in a bad moment. And, uh, you know, sometimes just, you know, looking inward before you speak. So I think empathy and safety, I would say,
0: I would say be kind and be genuine like in yourself and also ask for what you need from every person in the relationship, whether it's your metamor or your partner or any of the other extended people.
1: <laughs> um, And I think what uh, what I'll add to that is um, see the person, see your metamor as an individual um, before you see them as your metamor as before you see them as like their relationship with your partner or whatever that is, but just see the individual first um, before you put them into context of everything else and see if you can appreciate um, the person and who they are. um, And, uh, remain curious about them uh, so just remain curious get to know them if it's available uh, and i think that just seeing them as an individual without out of the context of the relationship is a good place to start um that's what would be my little advice uh so i'm gonna wrap up um before i do i just want to say a quick round of thank yous um first and foremost thank you so much panelists my panelists they make it look so easy it's not it's it's brave work to sit here and share and um and tell all the stories so i uh, really appreciate it this is what makes it um a quick thank you to um people who support me behind the scenes um thomas who does our audio um both uh, produces the, the records and produces the podcast um thank you um uh, my assistant laura who makes things happen and Jackie, who is the engine behind all this and keeps me sane. Um, And, of course, thank you, you Foxes, for coming out and supporting us. And we'll see you soon. Uh, Until then, stay stay curious. 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 Stay
2: curious.